welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to my favorite coffee story. We have such a fun show today, and we're really glad you've joined us. We're talking about the love of music and coffee, and we have such an amazing guest with us. Carolyn Willis is going to join us. And before I introduce Carolyn, we always share our Anikona Farm moment and what's going on at the farm. And we are in such holiday time. It's such a festive time here at the farm. We've been having family and friends. We've been sharing wonderful moments, great fun coffee moments, good breakfast. So it's just such a beautiful time here uh, on the farm during holiday. And if you can believe, it's actually a cozy day today on the farm. We have it raining, and that's great for the coffee trees. And I have a feeling, it's hard to imagine, but I have a feeling that Mauna Kea Summit might be experiencing some snow pretty soon. That's 14,000 feet high up. And even though we have beautiful weather here in on the Big Island, sometimes during the holidays, we might have some beautiful snow up there. So maybe with this rain, we might see that. But that's a little bit about what's going on at the farm. So thank you for letting us share that. So Carolyn Willis has joined us today from Seattle, and she is a highly acclaimed musician, violinist, violin and viola instructor in Seattle for over 25 years. She's won several awards and scholarships. She's attended Whitman College in Washington, the University of Washington. She runs a thriving private studio in Seattle, in Bellevue, Washington, actually. She's um, She's been a been, she's been the principal violinist for the National Endowment for the Arts or the theater production. And we are just so thrilled to welcome you, Carolyn, to my favorite coffee story. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Aniko. So sweet. We're so glad you're here. And we are really looking forward to hearing about music and how you got involved. And we're also excited to hear how coffee sometimes weaves through your experiences and sharing coffee with with friends and family. Tell us, please, about your early days, Carolyn, and how you became interested in music. Well, you know, I was thinking about this. I um, I have a really strong memory of being really little, and I was sitting on the gym floor in kindergarten and listening to the school orchestra. And I, I think this is really funny now because, you know, I'm little and I'm sitting there all cross-legged, and you know the smell of the gym floor, and it's all cold, you know, and they started to play, and I was just mesmerized. You know, like there's a tunnel of light between me and this little school orchestra and, you know, like I'm having a near-death experience or something. And it's so <laughs> funny to me now because, you know, you know they were just niggling Twinkle or something, but that was, that was just it for me. I was tiny and, and I was just in love and that was it. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, I, I think about this and I, I would have gone home and, and probably picked up any of the music in the house, but I, I waited a couple of years after that before starting lessons, but I... Uh, you know, I, I was thinking that I probably went home and put, I don't know, Fiddler on the Roof or something on. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, 
but you know, well, guys, they're just they're like, oh, look the world, you know. So that's yes. that's really what got me. Oh, what a great story! So, at what point did you think, Carolyn, that you would pursue the violin? Well, you know, I, I started out wanting to do trauma surgery. So the really, you know, I ended up at Whitman and I, I had studied and I'd done all the science and I'd always played and I'd always been the concertmaster. But, you know, the, the really short answer to this is that, you know, a friend of mine knocked on my practice room door and asked if I would listen to him play. And it's, it's one of those, you know, hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee? You know, you're good at this. Would you listen to me? I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And, and so, you know, I just started to listen and I was able to sort of organize what the problem was in my head. And this is where you can see I'm an engineer's child because I, I listen, I listen to something and, you know, and you start to go, okay, well, the first thing you have to tackle is this and the second thing you have to tackle is this. Um, and, and that sort of thing is really what, you know, teachers get in the road only when they, they need to. If you're doing it right, we, we shut up and sit on our hands and, you know, but the, um, <laughs> I was I was able to, to be helpful, and I thought, oh my goodness, you know, um, and it was fun, which I didn't expect. Um, I mean, the longer version is that, you know, I started out, and from the time I was four, I, I wanted to do trauma surgery, and then I saw, you know, what a trauma ward really looks like, and it wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. I mean, I was, I was you know, I was all of 18, and it wasn't like a particularly gory trauma ward. It wasn't anything, it wasn't anything like it even would be now. It was a very quiet night, but I thought, you know, this is kind of mock-up work. And I, I think, I think what I really wanted was, you know, to be able to step in at a low point in somebody else's life and just yes. fix things, you know, just put everything right. So, you know, so I could do something practical to help them. And uh, so, you know, I think it really made me question. I mean, I, no, I mean, I'm sure it, when, when, when you're at school and you get, you start getting good teachers and you start to think like, wow, I could do this. And, and yeah. so I was, I was a little confused and changed majors a bunch for a while. Um, and, and then I started to really be able to play and, and it shocked me. I didn't, I didn't think that was possible, which was cool. That, um, that notion that, you know, mathematicians, engineers have sort of a knack for music. Did you find that when you started playing? Well, you know, I think, I think one of the things, because, you know, my mom is an engineer, and I, I think one of the things that they do really well is the very linear, the very logical thought. And, you know, I drive my, my engine, my brother's also an engineer, and I, I drive these guys crazy sometimes because my brain likes a lot of variables. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people, you know, you show up and do music because you want to be able to, to communicate in this language. But, you know, I always tell my students, it's, it's like with a sports car. It, you know, if you go to drive and it's really responsive and that's beautiful, some engineer did their job really well. If I'm able to stand up on stage and be really uh, expressive and if I'm able to move you, I, I took care of business and I did all my technical work. And so, you know, being able to see... The way that, um, that the mechanism, you know, physically what we do, mechanically what we do, to be able to order that in your head, that's a, that's a big part of what we do. It's just we have to connect it to the, the emotion as well. So right. It's, it's, yeah, it's kind of, I mean, you know, I, I think that's yes. a struggle for everybody. I, I, yeah. Well, Good question, those... <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> 
<laughs> those those growing up days sound really memorable and how you changed course um, from getting out of sort of trauma surgery more into yeah. music. What are some of your favorite stories during those early days in your music career that maybe you shared uh, some musical thoughts with a fellow musician over coffee uh, or or something like that? Any special favorite memories you might have, please? Oh, you know, um, I remember laughing a lot in quartets. That's, you know, it's one of those things when you're sort of figuring stuff out and, you know, when, when you're young, we're all so terribly hard on ourselves because we've got you know, we've got this idea that absolutely everything we do has got to be perfect. You know, and that's kind of the difference between what you do for a job, which, you know, that kind of stays where you have to be perfect, and, and what you do for hobbies, which, you know, don't, and you want to do them at a certain level, but they don't have to be flawless. And I, I remember, you know, uh, quartets being a room full of these really tense people, and somebody would mess up, and it was like, oh, man, I'm not alone. I, I remember a lot of that, and I remember, you know, playing gigs at, at school, and, and Whitman is very famous for the, for the wine tasting, so I remember, you know, we'd gig, and somebody would go get a glass of wine, and everybody would have a sip, you'd play a movement, you'd pass the glass over one more. Um, I remember, you know, I remember laughing a lot, piling a string quartet into small cars. That's that sort of thing. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting because, you know, it's shocking when you realize that everybody gets stuck in the same spot you do. And I think that's one yes. of the things that's really fun about teaching, too. Sorry, I think I just well, answered more of that than you. Yeah. No, I, we love. <laughs> thank you for sharing that with our listeners. Uh, I'm curious about your teaching because your students so appreciate you, Carolyn, and you have definitely been able to help them develop the love of music. And I know you have special teaching philosophies, and your your teachers just really so love you, Carolyn. What are some of your favorite things about teaching music? Well, you know, I, I, I always tell people that it, it's kind of like show and tell for grown-ups. You know, you, you get to show your students what you love and kind of invite them to belong to the club. And, you know, if a kid is 8 years old or a kid is 14, they, they want to be, they want to belong with the grown-ups. You know what I mean? They, they're, we're the cool yes. people. We know stuff. We have magical powers. And they want to be, you know, they want to be a little bit of a grown-up. And it, it's, it's a fun thing to be able to sit with them and... um you know, and show them that they, they belong. It's kind of learning's kind of a continuum, you know? And it's yes. also, I mean, one of the things that just killed me is it, it's a lot like, like showing people how magic tricks work. You know, when you watch somebody yes. play, like, you know, you'll see the, um, the really large motions that I make are really obvious, but the small motions aren't. You know, I'll do something little tiny and it'll make it really comfortable to do so it'll come out smooth and it'll look effortless. Um, because those those just aren't obvious at all. If I don't tell you what I'm doing, it, you'll never catch it. And you know, certainly what I'm thinking, you're you're never going to see that. It's not like I've got super titles on my forehead. So, um, <laughs> so it, it it feels like you know magic tricks. Once you know what they're doing, it's obvious. But until then, it's you know it's like oh you know, and um, and I really love the process of making a difficult skill easier. 
You know, I always, yes. I've always laughed that the little guys, I always talk about the, the Sleeping Beauty story, you know, they all show up and they, they give all these blessings of like this, you know, I'm going to give you, you know, beautiful intonation and beautiful tone and I'm going to give you beautiful sound. And the last one shows up and curses the kid. Well, and, and I can show up and make it like, I can't take the curse away, but I can make it a little easier. And, um, yes. you know, it's kind of like, honey, I can give you a little bit of help. You got to take it the rest of the way. Let's go. And, uh, <laughs> that, that, that much is fun, you know, but you just go through and it's, it's a systematic thing. You set up the form because, you know, good form is the easiest way to play. And then you have to, you know, tell them that a bunch because they don't believe, like, this is my way of doing this. And it's like, well, honey, it's not really my way. It's it's not my teacher's way. It's it's the way that, that we do it because it works. It makes it possible. And then you break the problems into manageable pieces and you solve them one at a time. And so this, this really, you know, this difficult skill that just seemed totally impossible starts to take shape and then they get really excited and it's cute. I mean, for me, I, you know, I I love problems with lots of moving parts and, and organizing things so they're clear in my head. And a big chunk of what I have to do is figure out how my students think. So they're, you know, they're looking at the problem and they think, okay, I, I get this part, I get this part. And then they, they miss something. And so I have to kind of figure out backwards where they got stuck. And and that's fun, and it changes yes. every day. Which yeah, which I like. So well, and you have a real variety of students. I know you have some real young ones, and I mm-hmm. also know you have adults. And I love how you can meet them where they are. And I know you have some some pretty strict rules in your studio uh, yeah. that really make a difference in learning. I know that you highly emphasize practicing regularly every day and also mm-hmm. that attendance is really important because you're helping build muscle memory and hand placement, um, et cetera. What are all, also some of the other techniques that you like to emphasize? Well, I mean, you know, the, the thing with, with the muscle memory, it, it, it's all of the stuff is really practical. I mean, I think the big thing is that I really want them to understand why we do stuff the way they do. You know, um, the stuff that's written in the music, it's, it's once you understand a little bit about the room that that was written in, it's kind of obvious why they do it. But the way that we study music, you know, we, um, we show up and we have to train our hands to do what we tell them to do. And I've, all this last week I've been telling my students, if I asked you to walk heel to toe everywhere you went all day long, and you don't normally do this, you don't normally like put your foot down and roll it forward and put the next one down and roll it forward. If I asked you to change your physical motion that much, you'd have to think about it a lot, right? You'd have to practice it every day. And what we do is, you know, we we make the body very, very steady, and there's a lot of really tiny motions. So if I don't make sure that they stay exactly where they're supposed to, we have a problem. And I don't want to make the kids stiff on the other hand, but I, I want to make sure that they have control over what they do so that it sounds like they want, so they get the result they want. And, and you kind of yes. can't cram muscle memory. Uh, if, I, if I have a certain skill level and then I give you, you know, an extra piece and say, I need you to put in an extra hour, you've got to learn all these Christmas carols or I've, you've got to learn this concerto, but this is well within your technical range, uh, you can cram that, then no problem. That's just extra homework. I mean, up to, up to a point. But it's like if I go to the gym, I can't, you know, I can't go in there and go, I'm going to develop, you know, I'm going to, you know, rip out this muscle set and this muscle set. I, I, can't, I can't do that in a weekend. And so it's the same kind of thing. I have to make sure that I'm respectful of, of you know, like body work. Um, yes. 
Yeah, and and you know, with some of them are, are little and some of them are big, and everybody's hands are different too. So True. that's kind of you know, I studied when I when I was still studying, interested in medicine. I mean, I tried to study a lot of child psych too, and I studied a lot of um, well, lots of stuff because it's it's cool. I mean, Whitman for. Those who don't know, it's a liberal arts college, so they kind of make you learn a lot of things. Um, but the the muscle groups and all the nerves, I used to know everything. So you, you take a look at how things are actually intended to move, and then when you go to make your body do something, you know, your bow arm will go in a straight line if your elbow is up where it needs to be. If it gets too low, it won't go anymore. And you've got, sometimes right. you're using three or four of your joints in a, in a row, one of them will swivel and one won't. Well, if one swivels and the other one won't, you can't swivel because the whole, the whole mechanism won't go. True. Anna. True. Yeah. yeah well, so and I'm if you not don't... sure I answered all your questions there, Aniko. Yes. No, that was interesting. Plus, perfect hand placement is really important so that mm-hmm. one who is playing the violin, they make sure that they don't tire quickly because, as you've said, sometimes that if, if they're tiring, you get a coarse tone and it's it, it just yeah. sort of influences the music which is really fascinating Carolyn it's been so fun chatting with you and we are going to come back right after the break and we're going to talk a little bit more with Carolyn about uh, what it's like doing music in Seattle what the music community is like where are some of the favorite coffee meeting places and we're going to chat a little bit more about um some of the current projects that Carolyn might be working on right after the break. So listeners, please join us. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You 
You are listening to my favorite coffee story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to my favorite coffee story. We've been having such a nice time with Carolyn Willis, an acclaimed musician, violinist, and violin and viola instructor in Seattle for over 25 years. And we've been talking about Carolyn's teaching philosophy and what's important in teaching um, students of all ages and what really helps them develop that love of music as well as develop their muscle memory and hand placement and just the ability to really enjoy their music. And we were going to talk now about a little bit more about the music community in Seattle and what is that like and some of the favorite coffee meeting places in Seattle. Carolyn, where might you meet some of your fellow musicians over coffee in Seattle? Oh, you know, well, I live in the Bellevue area, so I tend to go to Kirkland. There's a really lovely place called Cafe Aura. Um, and then probably my, my other favorite place in Seattle is called Bakery Nouveau, which is in West Seattle. And I understand there's another one somewhere uh, on Pill Hill in Seattle, but I'm not really sure where it is. But I think I hear it is near the Swedish. But the, uh, you know, the musicians tend to be from all over the place, so I have lots of, of colleagues that are very, very particular about their coffee and very particular about the pastry. And I'm more, yes. of, a, more of a coffee person, but, but they're, they're marvelous. And um, it's, it's a fun place to go and hang out and, and, and just chat. How do you like your coffee, Carolyn? Oh, um, I'm a big cappuccino fan. I'm not a, I'm not a huge foam person. Um, I've got a little La Pavone that I, is battered and well-loved. I, I have a, a, a friend, um, one of my friends did his doctorate at UCSF, and when he got, uh, got remarried, we all went down and, uh, and visited, and um, it, was, it was funny because the, the nice people, we went down to go, to go make a little pilgrimage to North Beach and go get some coffee, Grafeos, and um, the owner, whose name is Luciano, actually overheard one of us saying, you know, oh my goodness, we're going to miss the Caltran. And so he turned to, I think his son, I don't know, one of the people in there, and they piled us all in the back of, there were maybe five of us, I should say. And we're all quite tall, I'm six one, and, and yeah, the rest of us pretty much too. And they piled us in the back of the Honda Civic and zipped us back down to the, to the Caltran. And um, so oh. my, my love, but yeah, I know, it's my darling. Yes. People are very nice. Um, but the... Um, uh, my my friend, um, I, I, I you know made sure that he had a hotel to stay in because he's got little kids and stuff, and so he I wouldn't take money from him, and he repaid me by buying me a, a big burr grinder. So then I had to go get a lapavoni. So I've got a little a little hand you know a little hand machine, and it's um, very very well loved. It's um, but it's great. It's very old school, and uh, anyhow, but um, yeah, so we, we go and uh, and go sit around and, and have coffee and talk and, and get caught up. And, and then are, do you talk about upcoming performances or some of the pieces that, that your fellow musicians are working on? Well, you know, I, I think when I, when I come out and talk to my, to my friends, I mean, I've got some, like one of my friends, um, she's uh, administering a national endowment for the arts grant. So when she comes out, we talk about, she's a prof at the university. Her name's Claudia Jensen. She's wonderful. Um, 
you know, so we'll come out and, and get caught up on, on her part of the world. You know, I've got, I've got a friend who's, who's running a company called In-Depth Diagnostics, which, you know, I'll catch, catch up on, on her part of the world. You know, when I'm talking to my teacher friends, um, you know, because you asked me about musicians meeting over coffee to kind of talk and like what it's like if, if you're sitting at the table with us. And, and I thought about this a lot, you know, because I've, I've got a friend, um, one of my violinist friends, she, she's just, uh, well, she's listening in right now. She's got a pair of newborn baby boys. And I was telling her, you know, hopefully I would be interesting. And if not, maybe the babies would, you know, sleep. And, um, and so, you know, we're, we're, uh, you're kind of from all over. So, you know, when we talk about stuff, everybody ends up working in different parts of the field. And, uh, so, you know, she's from Moldavia. I have a friend from, from Australia, you know, and, and we just, um, we talk about different countries and I get, I get really interested in like how people, uh, studied when they were little, you know, what's the same, what's different, what's the culture like and that kind of thing. And people ask me a lot about American culture, but there's also just, you know, just a lot of shop talk. And, and I was, you know, I was thinking like if, if there's, um, you know, if there's a bunch of us sitting at a table and, um, you know, we start talking shop, you know, how you start filling stuff in for the people who, so they don't glaze over. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we were talking before about uh, students and, you know, because you, you're asking yourself, like, what am I doing that works a lot? Because that's what we always come back to because that's what we get all obsessive about. And, you know, we, we all get... Um, all worked up because, you know, our students will come in and they want that really musical part of the education. But, you know, you start lessons and you run across a lot of stuff you didn't bargain for. You've got to be able to speak the, the language in order to really move people with your eloquence, right? And so you have to be able to read and to understand and, and speak the musical language. And then in music, you also have to be able to mechanically do what it says on the page in order you know, to really express what you're trying to do. You have to read what it says and then, you know, do it and, and write at that at that minute. And so, you know, for, for, for the non-musicians in the crowd, because I know I, I, I taught Wyatt, so I know you know this stuff, but um, what that looks like is you, you put the form in place. So you've got like a shoulder pad and the violin, and the, the violin sits on the shoulder. And I always tell um, parents, it's, it's kind of like building a house on a cliff face. So you need to provide a little bit of support down beneath so it doesn't, you know, go screaming off into the, into the waves. And um, the bow sits on the string and you want to drag it back and forth. And then you'll, you'll make the, um, the, the kid learn some rhythm patterns and you'll make them learn how to read so that they can just do it right on, right on, on task. And then you make them read the, the notes so that they can figure out how far those little stinkers are. Because some of them are close and some of them are far. And if you don't hit them, then you're going to get the traditional you know, baby file in this sound, which is kind of gruesome. So you, you've got the rhythm and you've got the intonation and you're going to put your pulse in place and that's going to give you your basic musical line. And then after you do that for a bit and you can hear all of the technical stuff you should be doing, so you can hear how the music sounds, then you start to think, well, how do I want to phrase this? How do I want to make the music more emotional? And um, maybe the, the phrase repeats three times. So the first time you do it, you know, as simply as possible. And the second time you get a little more intense. And the last time it's a little more calm. And so well, how do I do that technically? Well, I have to do that with the bow. So the bow will either have a little bit more weight on it or it will have a little less. And we can move it faster. We can move it slower. We can vibrate the hands, which makes a really cool sound. And it also makes, um, people don't know this, but it actually makes your sound carry further, which is kind of fun. Um, yeah. So, you know, yeah, so it was a playing. It's like, how do I describe that 
to my students and how do I get them unstuck? So when I'm sitting having coffee with one of my friends, there's a lot of this that goes on, you know, because playing yes. is kind of like, you know, it's like reading directions on, on, on an overhead monitor and then sort of dropping chunks of music on a conveyor belt. It just keeps going. And you're, kind of, you're just kind of out of luck if you, don't, if you don't keep going. So you're trying to get them to read the rhythms and the notes in one beat chunks, just like the words. And then your hand reads what it says. And it tells your fingers and then your bow arm what to do. And then while they're, they're busy doing that, your brain has moved on to the next beat. And so this is why we do, you know, all the scales and the arpeggios and all that stuff. And when your brain tells you to play something, if the fingers aren't coordinated, you're going to have a problem. So we, we talk a lot about, like, how do I get this kid, you know, this kid's stuck here. How do I get them unstuck? Or I'm not sure, you know, lots of times what will happen is, is your colleague will come back and say, you know, have you thought about this with their thumb? Have you tried raising their elbow? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? And, um, you know, and various different, like sometimes just mental exercises, you know, relaxation stuff. Um, so, you know, so we're, we're always sitting around going, okay, so the student realizes that we want this, but where do they get stuck? And then how do I help them? And, and how, you know, and one of the big things, you know, and you know this from teaching, is the first thing you got to do is make a safe space. Because kids won't learn if they feel like they're, you know, if they feel like I'm going to all like, going to dismiss them, if they feel like I don't care about them, they're, they're not going to learn. And so you make a team with your student and you really start to earn their trust because I, I need to be the person that they can screw up in front of. And I need to walk them through how I solve problems. And if if I am not safe to them, if I don't feel, um, you know, if I feel like I'm judgmental or like I'm dismissive, then it's not going to help. If they feel like I, I'm like, you know, I always talk about being a crazed aunt. I'm like, you know, I'm, 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 parents are responsible for so much of a kid's education. And I'm, you know, I'm the spare staff that gets brought in to teach them how to do really particular skills. And, um, you know, we were, we were talking before uh, about using humor in teaching. And, and, you know, usually if kids are working really hard and concentrating, you know, you don't want to distract them. You, you don't want to do anything whatsoever to distract them. But um, but if they're focusing on the wrong thing, then it'll jump their concentration off of where it was onto whatever, you know, whatever shiny thing you dangle in front of them. And it, it right. lets you, I mean, yeah, I mean, humor lets you shift their attention, you know, where you want it. And, and it lets you say what you need to say in a way that, that connects you and really, you know, keeps you on the same team. And and, and that part of it's hard. I mean, the, the, the whole, you know, getting through to the kid. And I, you know, I think, so you've got, you know, there's, there's some parts about setup. Sometimes I'll sit with one of my colleagues and go, how do you teach this? How do you set their hand up? Um, how do you, what words do you use? And it, it's interesting for me because some of my colleagues, you know, English is sometimes their second language and sometimes their third. And one of my, one of my teachers, when I, when I studied with Ms. Gillis, when I first went to New York, she maybe had a hundred words of English. And I still distinctly remember she grabbed my hand one day and went, no, and then just moved my fingers. And that was all it took. And the, the, <laughs> there, everything was really different after. It was just really different. Oh. You know, there's, there's a lot of how do I set up the setup? And then, you know, how do I make them feel like they belong? And then, and then there's problem solving. And that's, that's a lot of what we talk about, you know, because we'll, yes. we'll, we'll talk about, you know, you need to figure out, 
like in music, like you know when there's a mistake, and so you need to figure out where where it happened, and you don't want to go all the way back to the beginning. So you're you're working in layers now. You're working. You, you're going to take care of the rhythm, and then you're going to take you know you ask first, is it the form? Is it the rhythm? Is it the intonation? And um, you know everybody has had a teacher. I mean, I always talk about being in college and and sitting outside of you know um, classroom hours, you know office hours. Sitting outside and you sit there and you wait for an hour and you go in and you ask your question of your professor and they just read you your lecture notes again. And, and it's frustrating, you know. So part of what we're trying to do is figure out how do I get through to where their brain said, I get this, I get this, I get this. Okay, I'm a little confused here. And, and right. that, part, that part's the fun puzzles for us. Because I mean, well, it, it's, it's a hard, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a hard field. Everybody can tell when you just lost concentration, but if you don't if you don't know how to solve it, then 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 it's just frustrating. Well, it's like nice how you can. Yes, no, it's nice that you can brainstorm with your colleagues and share some insights. But um, you have a very special gift, Carolyn, to be a team with your student and actually be able to bring together a very positive outcome. You you have a secret to make it fun for students. And uh, I'm I'm not quite sure how I would describe it. I know that it, w- it made such a big difference for our son Wyatt when you kindly taught him violin. But what would you say is that secret? You mentioned being a team with your student, but how would you narrow it down in a in a succinct statement? Well you know I, I think <laughs> I, I think you have to be vulnerable in front of them. I, I think you have to actually show up and be a human being. Because I think that kids look at us and think that, you know, that grown-ups are somehow some sort of alien life form. And, you know, the thing that, that <laughs> has really blown me away as a teacher, I remember when I started teaching, and my students made the same mistakes exactly where I did. So you go back and you take your same pieces of music that you've been been playing on, you know, and my students made mistakes in the same spot where I had erased pencil marks. <laughs> my students made the same, you know, weird things with the phrasing. The same stuff was hard for them. And it, it really makes you realize that learning is just a continuum. You have to stay as much a student as you are a teacher. You have to. And I, I, you know, yes. I, you know, I mean, I can, I can tell you that I love my students and I, I really don't think... I think that that's a prerequisite for the job. I just, I really do. I think you have to see people and 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 see where they can go. And I, I don't have, um, oh, how do I say this? Um, parents, you know, you've had kids of your own. So you remember when, I mean, you remember before Wyatt could, could pick up a fork. You know, you remember before Wyatt could walk. And... He was, you know, he had mastered a lot of skills by the time I got to him. When, when you see kids who've never read a book before and they're first learning how to read their letters, you know, I'm sure parents have the thought like, oh, my God, I'm never going to get them out of my basement. Um, you know, because little guys, they, they don't know anything. And it's a huge, overwhelming problem. You know, they, they have to learn so many skills. But, you know, we're, humans are amazing. We, we learn all sorts of stuff. So I, I think, <laughs> I think you know, I say when I, when I make a team, I think that I see me and them, and I think that, um, 
you know, I think we're all basically the same. We all showed up to learn. I think we yes. all love the same thing. And, and you know, you try and make, um, you try and make community wherever you go. But, I, but I, I do, I absolutely think you have to be vulnerable in front of your students. I think when they see that I screw up, then it's like, okay, well, she screwed up and I like the way she played. You know? That's a tremendous insight. And I, I think your students definitely appreciate you, Carolyn. And we've really been enjoying hearing about the music community in Seattle and some of your favorite coffee meeting places and how you share what it's like to teach your students between your colleagues and share some of the learning. But also being vulnerable in front of your students, it seems like it's a wonderful way to connect with your students. And uh, I know they really appreciate you so much. Well, we come back after the break, and we're going to talk a little bit more with Carolyn about some of her current projects, whether or not she's actually written her own pieces. And we might even ask Carolyn about the Circle of Fifths when we come back right after the break. Please join us. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're so glad you're back. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We've been having such a nice time with Carolyn Willis, who is an acclaimed musician, violinist, and violin viola instructor in Seattle, has won several awards and scholarships, and is really loved by her students and we've been enjoying talking about the music community in Seattle and some of the favorite coffee meeting places and how over a good cup of coffee sometimes Carolyn and her friends get together and chat about 
um, sharing their learning and how they teach their students and some of their upcoming pieces. And it's been so fun to to hear about that, Carolyn. And now we're going to talk a little bit more about Carolyn's current projects and whether or not Carolyn has written some of her own pieces. So, Carolyn, have you written some of your own music? You know, I haven't written anything since my undergrad. I wrote some things I was studying with uh, Jose Rambaldi, and um, he went on sabbatical, and then I stopped. I, I remember mostly that I had written a little waltz I liked, but I, t- I, couldn't, I couldn't sing it. I'm not sure where it is now. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Do you have a favorite composer or favorite style of music that you like, Carolyn? Oh, you know, um, I'm I'm an enormous fan of Brahms. I'm a fan of Tchaikovsky. I tend to like the great big, um, you know, the great big heavy pieces. Um, but, you know, I listen to different pieces of music all day long. I love, you know, I love music when it's beautifully played. It's like, you know, it's like having, having people um, say something interesting, you know what I mean? I'm not always expecting whatever that's coming out of their mouth, but, but it's interesting. And it's always fun. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's so fun. I mean, boots swing all day long, you know, they do that. <laughs> so. Yes, I, I know that you have hobbies outside of music, and it's fun how you've, you've made your passion of music and playing the violin and making beautiful music and also teaching um, something that you can do as, as your career. But I also know you have hobbies outside of music like gardening, and you've always had beautiful vegetables. Um, how's your garden doing, Carolyn? Oh, my garden is gorgeous. Um, I've actually expanded since, uh, since you saw it last. For, for those of your, your listeners who are listening, I, I, ha- I have a quarter acre, and uh, I wanted, I shopped for two years for this house. It's my first house, and my friends have been mocking me nonstop ever since, because it's, um, I got very excited, and I had the nice people um, back, the, back the truck of organic dirt up. I, I didn't know if uh, the woman who had the house before me, she had a great big dog, and I didn't know if she had used chemicals on her lawn or not. And I, I wanted to do an organic garden, so I thought, well, this will be this will be fast and easy. I'll just haul I'll just haul in some compost. Well, six six loads of twenty cubic yards later, um, the, the, <laughs> the garden has gotten a little bit larger, and uh, I think I planted forty forty five tomatoes this year, something like that, and a bunch of squash. And there's a blueberry bed, and this year I put in uh, baby apple trees, and uh, these are very popular in Europe. They're they're about uh, six foot tall. And they have full size apples. They're, they bear really, really beautifully, but they're but they're kind of cute. And uh, what else? I don't know. I think I told you every year I do something that that um, instead of my New Year's Eve resolutions, I go try some new things. And and a silly vegetable is one of them. And so this year I grew eggplants. Oh, one year it was okra. Okra okra is just silly looking, but it's not warm enough here. And uh, other than that, I put some roses in. <laughs> yeah, it's so pretty. How is your eggplant doing? Oh, well, I ate it, um, so it was good. <laughs> They're just the little baby ones. It's kind of cold here. We don't have uh, the, the gardening weather that you do there, but um, but I enjoy, you know, when, when my family came to the United States, they uh, they homesteaded in, in Kansas and, and farmed. So, you know, we have some pretty hardcore gardeners in my family, and um, I grew up with my mom's garden, and then and then now that I have one of my own, I'm, you know, it was very important I have south facing exposure, and it was very important I have good drainage, and I, I just wanted it, you know, I wanted everything to be perfect, and now I'd like it to be twice the size that it is. But the, uh, but the eggplant was good. I've got artichokes that are still alive out there. 
Oh, you always have such an incredible garden. Where did your family come from again? Oh, um, my family comes from Sweden. My, my grandmother, and I'm not sure if my grandfather came from the same, uh, same town, but I'm going to mangle the pronunciation. There's a big lake called Lake Vanern in Sweden, and it's just to the north of that. There's a, there's a city called Karlstad. So it's um, people left from Oslo, I think. Left, right, something yes. like that. Um, but it's it's just north um, of the big lake in Sweden, and it's supposed to be very sunny and beautiful. And I, I have not been to visit it yet, but I did look it up on Google Earth. I, I I wanted to see where my grandmother had gotten on the train to come to the United States. Oh, how fascinating! They, did, yeah. did by yeah. chance anyone in your family also play beautiful beautiful music like you? You know. My brothers played a little cello. One of them played a little piano, but none of them really play. Um, my mom plays a little piano. Uh, we use uh, we use her piano when we do piano rehearsals. I borrow it because I, I I haven't taken the plunge and found a corner of my house to put one in yet. Um, but I'm the only musician. They're they're all engineers. They're they're not quite sure where I came from. I think, but um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, we just sort of show up. Well, and you do the recitals for your students. You have like one or two a year. Um, when's the next one coming up? Um, hopefully May 6th. I've, I've switched. Um, I don't remember where we were doing when, when Wyatt was in my studio. Come to think of it. <laughs> but um, we're, we're, uh, there's a church in town. I'm, I'm at Bellevue First United Methodist. So it will be May 6th if anybody wants to come. I have a, I have a good <laughs> treats table. And the the littlest one in my studio always gets to pick a special treat for the table. That's one of my little little uh, traditions that we have. And, uh, and my, who, is, my who is your littlest one? This again? Who is your littlest one now? Oh, um, her name's Audrey, and uh, she's darling. Her mom played piano. Oh, her mom's rather accomplished pianist. Um, but she played piano. She studied with her mom for four years, I believe, and her mom said it just broke my heart every day she wanted to play violin. And I said, oh, I know, you know, they pick their own instrument. And um, so she started, we're, we're on, I don't know, we're about halfway through the Wolfie book right now. And uh, she's very fierce little thing. She's darling. And uh, really, really uh, fascinated, beautiful focus. She's just, she's just an awful lot of fun. And, uh, oh, that- so she gets yeah, to pick the treat. At the recital table. <laughs> yeah, well, she had little uh, Frangos, I think, was the last time. Yeah, I think somebody somebody asked for cupcakes one year, and I, I had visions of there being frosting everywhere, and so I I, I asked for a second second choice. But we had uh, we had Frangos, and, uh, Frangos, and that was good. Yeah. Well, you make it so fun for your students, and you you laugh a lot with them, and I I think that really helps them continue and love music even more. And the the gardening is is fun. I don't know how you balance all your time between. You probably have how many students do you have now, as well as paying, um, playing music with quartets and things. Well, it's about thirty eight. Um, so everybody comes for a, for a full hour. Um, I have some, some of those are students who come twice a week. So, uh, you know, the, the levels have, have gone up a bit, um, <laughs> which is good. Um, I've got, you know, I've got the whole range. I've got kids playing in the, in the Wolfie book. I use, I use, uh, uh Robert Starr's basic, basic rhythmic training for my, for my rhythm book. And then I use Carl Flesh, which is kind of simplified when you start for a, for a seven year old. You have to simplify quite a lot. 
but they learn the patterns from the very beginning. I always tell them it's like the first hundred words in music. You have to make sure that the technical pieces are, are put into place, and then the uh, the Wolfhart Easiest Elementary Method book, and that's those are my kids that are that are just beginning, and then it runs through. I've got somebody who's uh, he's finishing up the Dvorak Concerto this um, this next recital, and then we start the Tchaikovsky Concerto. Beautiful. So it's, it's a nice mix. It's a nice mix. It is it's a lot of fun. It is. So it sounds like between almost forty students and playing music now and then with quartets or performances and your gardening. Um, what else do you have as a current project right now? How do you balance all that, Carolyn? <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that I always look for in, in, in a hobby is something that grounds me because, you know, you've met me and I, I'm a little hyper. Um, so, you know, my head tends to go a million miles a minute and, and I, I kind of, I have to find balance. So I need to do stuff that shuts my head up and kind of calms me back down. And, you know, if I'm in Europe going to an art gallery, you go look at something really beautiful like that. Um, it, that's, that's beautiful and soothing, but I can't get on a plane every weekend. So anyhow, so, so Aniko, I mean, I, I, you've heard me talk about how, you know, every year instead of doing resolutions, like I go try new things and, uh go try and find new pleasures in my life. And, and one of the biggies is to do something that scares me. So, you know, one year it was rappelling um, and one year it was kayaking and one year it was knitting, which really, really freaked me out, honestly. And which, you know, of all <laughs> of the things in the world, it was really fun, but knitting freaked me out a lot more than the things that I could have actually killed myself doing. Um, and so this year, you know, I thought this has been such a stressful year and I was terribly, terribly out of shape and just sore all over it. And, and, you have lived through the saga of uh, Aniko. For, for her listeners, I, I have um, I have a, a house that I, I bought a, a remodeled house that needed just lots and lots and lots and lots of love, and um, so you know I was kind of sore all over and um, just out of shape. And so I, t- I took the plunge and I got a trainer because I kept going out in my garden and trying to do this and trying to do that, and I was just hurting myself. So um, you know it's been absolutely nothing like I expected, and it's been so much fun. And I, you know, I, I hate to ask for help. I'm one of those people I love to go figure stuff out, and I like this, you know, like everybody else on the planet. And I, I, I figure this is why the, the YouTube videos exist, you know. So I called up, I was telling you, I called up Jim Ennis, who's the owner of Ironworks Gym down the, down the way from me. And um, for, for those of you who are not in town, Ironworks is like, it's a gym gym. It's a real gym. There's nobody, there's no thumpa thumpa, and there's no, nobody's leaping around in spandex. There's nothing obnoxious like that. It's just, it's a nice, normal gym. So, you know, serious, serious people. And I thought, if I'm going to be a lunatic, I'm just going to jump in with both feet. So I came out of the car, and I'm petrified because I'm having one of those, like, oh, my God, I've done this to myself again kind of moments. And this big, handsome guy sees me and heads on over, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to be in a lot of pain in about 10 minutes, you know. But it's, it's just been a blast. Everything, it was, it was wonderful. It, it brings me back to the present, and I really love the community. You know, some of these guys have been friends for 20 years. And, uh, I, you know, I lost almost 50 pounds, so right now I, I was laughing. You know, I weigh less than it says in my driver's license. And, um, and I got <laughs> carded. That was the funny part. You know how old I am. I got carded two months ago, which was really funny. And it was morning, you know. So, anyhow, <laughs> so I've been, I've been really happy. Sometimes my, uh, my going out in the world and trying something new, because I'm like, you know, so my thing with music is that I want everybody to be able to go out in the world and be able to experience the whole thing. Because, you know, life is short yes. and you don't get five minutes of your life back. You know, you just have True. to go, you have to go live stuff. 
And um, sometimes, you know, I crash and burn in a way that's spectacular and, and, and ugly to behold. But, um, but this has been really fun. It's been really fun. It does fun. sound fun. Yeah. Well, and so I, great job, Carolyn, and um, doing, you know, the, the personal training is is so wonderful. And, and uh, it's fun how you always have something annually as a, that kind of puts you out of your comfort zone and you jump right in. And that, that's really fun. And in between students and gardening and um, and often you have a fun pet for the kids to see. I don't know if you have a pet right now, but I remember the bird you had that we called Mr. Shrimphead. Oh, Mr. And, Shrimphead. I, I had yes. uh, he, his his former mommy uh, used to play for the LFL, and um, I did not know this, but but her son she got him for her son, and so this bird used to go da 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 over and over and over again, but considerably an octave higher than this, and I couldn't figure out for the longest time. Her son was listening to Star Wars, and it's the Darth Vader theme. Oh, oh my <laughs> gosh! I know, isn't that great? And it's like it's so fun. It's completely true story. Um, right now, oh, so I have um, I have a kitty. His name is Romeo. I got him from uh, there's a shelter up north of here in, in Langley called called Oasis. And Jean, Jean is lovely. I, I don't know how old she is. She's still climbing underneath trailers, you know, and rescuing kittens. And um, she's wow. just wonderful. He's a he's a little Norwegian forest cat, and he uh, he's I'm I'm waiting to see if he's going to climb my Christmas tree before I decorate it. <laughs> so I, I got him as a kitten, and uh, he's just been darling. He's, he's so a climber. <laughs> oh, how fun! Well, we're we're about to close, and and I just have a moment to ask you if if we were to ask you, Carolyn, in in just a few words, please, what is the performance that you are most proud of that we could share with our listeners? Oh man, um, you know, when I think about really like where I feel pride. I really feel, you know, with my students that have had, have had kind of a bumpy road of it, when, when I hear one of them round that corner and you just, it's beautiful and you hear the, the hair, you just feel the hair come up on your arms. I, I just, I get such a charge out of that. And, yes. um, you know, sometimes they surprise you. It, it's, it's lovely. That is so special when it really comes together for one of your students. And certainly you have such um, an element to making that happen with your students as you team up and you really bring out the love of music in your students. And it's been so fun sharing, Carolyn, all about music and coffee and and all the fun things that you work on and how you make music instruction for your students uh, incredibly exciting and fun and so thank you for sharing all that and we've just had so much fun with our, our listeners talking about the love of music and and sharing about the love of music so thank you so much Carolyn for helping us really feel all that you feel when you you teach your students so we really have appreciate having you so thank you so much for joining us Carolyn and oh, for our listeners it was so fun to have you. And for our listeners, thank you for joining us. And of course, um, you can always visit anikona.com. We share our 15% gift to our listeners, as well as if you have additional questions, you can always share those at radio 
um, at myfavoritecoffeestory.com. We always love to hear from you. And thank you again for joining us. And we wish you a wonderful, relaxing week. Maybe you can bring music and coffee into your days this week. And of course, we look forward to having you next week. And in the meantime, we wish you a joyous aloha. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week 